0: Welcome to MBA in a Day, a brief, deep, and easy to understand place to get and apply important business concepts and principles, the same that are taught in top-tier MBA programs. I'm Professor Stralser, and in the 25 years that I've been teaching in elite MBA programs, I've noticed how many doctors, attorneys, engineers, scientists, folks that are already well-educated, already smart, but may not have had the kind of business training that they need to be successful in their business or practice. So whether you're listening to this in your car, while commuting to or from work, on the beach, or just want to learn about business, let's get started with this episode's exploration of critical business concepts. In this episode, we'll be exploring the world of franchising. Franchising is something that we see every day, and yet we don't think about it, especially if we're interested in being in business for ourselves and yet do not want to take on the risk of being an entrepreneur that's starting a business from scratch. So, one of the sayings about franchising is that it's being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So, just for a minute, Examine the um, situation of, let's say that I have always wanted to own and operate an ice cream store. So I could take some savings and find a location, come up with some ice cream recipes, outfit the store as an ice cream store, develop a name, develop some advertising, start to promote, work behind the counter. On the first day of business I probably would have, you know, a few customers, because after all, who knows anything about Professor Strausser's ice cream? On the other hand, if I took that same amount of savings and bought, let's say, a Coldstone Creamery franchise I'd have Cold Stone behind me to help me develop the store layout, pick the right location, have the advertising, have a brand name, and very likely on the first day of opening, I'd have a lot more customers than if it was simply Professor Strelser's ice cream store. So that's kind of the basic um, benefit of franchising. And in this episode, we'll be looking at it more or less from the standpoint of the franchisee, that is the person that buys the franchise and operates it for his or her own benefit and his or her own profit. So the world of franchising is really much bigger than you might think. Uh, somewhere around uh, a trillion dollars in retail sales come through franchising in one form or another. So many of the brand names you see every day as you're driving down the street are actually forms of franchising. Uh, The Ford dealership, for instance, might be a franchise because the entity that owns that dealership is not necessarily the Ford Motor Company, but might be a family. And in the case of auto dealerships, families probably in their third or fourth generation, although among dealerships, there's been a lot of consolidation where big corporations have bought up all the family uh, ownerships. But nonetheless, auto dealerships have been around for a long time, are a pretty good example of a franchise. Most of the fast food places that you frequent are also benefiting from the franchise concept. So when we have a franchise, we have something that already has some sort of business plan. And the company that has developed the franchise concept, we'll call them the Franchisor, they have really figured out the processes and the approaches to making that business successful. They probably patented some processes. Certainly they have trademarked, trademarked their trade name, some of their logos, some of their designs. And so as a franchisee, you are simply operationalizing or putting into Effect the business plan that the franchisor has developed. Usually, a franchisee who buys a franchise also gets the benefit of ongoing training and having the franchisor, the more or less parent company, continually providing new products and services so that the franchise concept is always fresh and alive. So, in order for a concept to be franchisable, if there is such a word, it takes some sort of business that has a proven record of success and that can be replicated by other people who may not have been trained or grown up in that particular business. So, a franchise concept is something where you can take a person or persons and after a certain amount of training, train them into being able to be successful and profitable operators of that business concept. Another thing that marks a successful franchise concept is something that, as they say, has legs, and that is that if it's successful in one area, it can be replicated and is successful in another area. Because in order for a franchise to really develop and grow, it has to be able to grow geographically And in today's world, it also has to be able to grow internationally as well. So, if you are a company that is interested in developing growth through selling your concept as a franchise to other people, you have to think about whether or not whatever it is that your business model is can be performed by other people. In addition, you have not only created a successful prototype or business, you are now going to be in the training business because for a franchisor to be successful, they must be able to train others in how to operate the business concept that they have developed. And further, to be successful as a franchisor, you have to also be able to understand what makes for a successful location, for instance. You have to be able to create advertising that is compelling and can be used throughout whatever geographic areas you're serving and can be used by your franchisees to grow their own business. You also have to be able to show, as a franchisor, you have to be able to show franchisees that the business concept you developed is indeed profitable and has promise and is worthy of the franchisee investing their money in your concept. So one of the paramount benefits to a company that utilizes the franchise concept to grow their business is that you are growing your business by finding other so-called partners who are providing the growth capital needed to grow the business. So instead of growing the business by borrowing money or um, registering securities and making a public offering, you are growing your business by using the funds of your franchisees. And so it's much different than having simply managers managing your new units that you've opened. Those new units that are being opened are being opened by people who are investors and who are, in a sense, partners of yours. So, that provides certain benefits to you as the franchisor because the people who are partnering with you are very motivated um, because they have a lot of skin in the game. So, you're not quite as worried that at nine o'clock in the morning, you know, some 14 year old is not going to show up to open up the store. Rather, you'll have most likely an adult with some capital who's invested that capital and will indeed not only be there at 9 o'clock, but will probably be there at 6 a.m. in order to get the store or whatever it is ready for opening. So, as a company interested in growing, franchising becomes a very attractive means of providing that growth opportunity. On the other hand, As a company, because you are growing through selling the prospect of your business to others, you also have a higher expectation by your franchisees of success. And the franchisee network can be very demanding upon the franchisor and As franchise concepts become larger and larger and more complex, there is very often an accompanying amount of discord or unhappiness among the franchisee community. It's not to say that it's always a contentious kind of relationship, but as a franchise concept gets more and more complicated, the opportunities for disappointment and underperformance sometimes become problematic and consume a great deal of time on the part of the franchisor. So when we look at franchising, there really are a couple different kinds of categories. One kind of franchising system is a, uh, a product distribution system. That's simply where the franchisee purchases in large quantity the products of a manufacturer and then by virtue of an agreement as a dealer or a licensee has certain rights to resell or to sell those products in a certain area. So when we use the car dealer example, if you have a Ford dealership, you are buying those cars directly from the Ford Motor Company and simply reselling the product as you receive it and are doing so under some sort of an agreement that covers a specific geographic area. More often we have a business format kind of franchise where the franchisee actually... Produces or somehow makes or provides the services of the franchisor. So the franchisee is really involved in the method of whatever the product or service is and provides those products or services pursuant to an agreed upon format or formula consistent with the brand, consistent with the quality and consistent with the values of the franchisor. And another form that is not seen quite as often is a conversion kind of franchise, and that is where, for instance, you might be driving along the street for years and seeing uh, Harry's hardware store, and then one day you drive by and it's now Harry's Ace Hardware Store. And so, in that case, uh, Harry has obtained uh, some sort of franchise agreement uh, with Ace Hardware to carry mostly Ace Ace Hardware products. Uh, you often see this also in hotels. So, you might see an independent mom-and-pop hotel, and then you drive by and you see a sign that it's now a Holiday Inn Express or some other major brand in the hotel uh, industry furthermore there are different arrangements that we can make between franchisee and franchisor so in some cases the franchisor will be selling you know their franchises one or two at a time and soon after that franchisor has been selling one or two at a time it becomes expensive and complex to be selling these only one or two at a time and so a franchisor will soon adopt an area franchise or a master franchise approach where instead of selling off one or two they'll sell an entire state for instance to a single franchisee who will then in turn find other franchisees or subfranchisees to operate under their master franchise for a certain area and this master approach really uh, also comes into play in the uh, international scene where entire countries might be sold off to a single entity and in the international space franchising is often done between very very large uh, global companies that will um, buy an entire buy the rights to an entire country and develop the franchise in that in that country so let's take a look at the um, expectations that you should have if you become franchisee—that That is, if you want to have that ice cream store, you have some savings, you go to a franchisor and you buy that particular brand franchise. So what do you, what do you expect to get? Well, you expect to get some sort of product that has some uniqueness to it. You expect to have uh, that product designed very well. You expect to have marketing support for that product. If it's a retail situation, you also want to get help in picking a location, in designing the store, designing the layout, helping you decide on the right kind of equipment to buy for whatever it is that you're doing. You also want to be able to rely on the franchise or to provide not only you good training, but also your employees with training. You want to make sure that you have ongoing advertising and marketing assistance. You also want to make sure that not only are you following the standards of the franchisor, that is, that you are making or producing the product or service pursuant to certain guidelines, But you also want to make sure that every other franchisee is following those same specifications so that the product or service that you have put your savings into, there's consistency across the entire franchise network. So that if you are indeed the Cold Stone store owner in, let's say, New Mexico, that the Coldstone owner in Georgia is following the same procedures because if that Georgia Coldstone owner is not following the procedures and is putting out a product that doesn't have the quality, then likely if that customer who visited the store in Georgia comes to your store in New Mexico, they might just drive right by because they had a bad experience by an operator in Georgia that was not following the rules and uh, regu- regulations and specifications. Another benefit that you get as a franchisee is also the buying power of a larger network. So, you know, going back to my example of uh, Professor Strauss's ice cream store. If I wanted to buy, let's say, you know, just the uh, serving cups, the cups I serve, I would serve my ice cream in. You know, I would buy maybe a thousand at a time from a vendor, and maybe they would cost me, you know, five cents each. But now that I'm a Cold Stone franchisee, instead of paying five cents, because there are now a thousand of me buying a thousand of those serving cups, instead of paying five cents each, I can probably buy those for a penny. So, there could be cost savings in terms of the raw materials and the supplies because of the volume purchasing available through a network like a franchise. So, in terms of weighing the, you know the pros and cons of becoming a franchise, we have things that, on the plus side are things like, you know, we get training, we have a brand name that's already been developed. We have a standardized product, we have procedures that we can follow. Very often, there's national advertising that we can benefit from. We have uh, supply chain power. Generally, franchises are more successful than uh, simple one-off startups. Uh, We have, depending on the agreement, some sort of uh, geographic um, protection, although the courts have been finding that uh, these have become less and less enforceable. And on the other hand, in terms of the negatives, if we have a franchise, we have a partner Um, That partner is the franchisor, who very often will be getting, or most often will be getting a a royalty from each sale that we make. And so we have to be more profitable because the margins are automatically more challenged by the fact that we have a royalty that comes usually right off the top, right off the top line revenue. We also have the constraint of having to conform exactly to the specifications of the franchisor. And so we, uh, if we are truly creative entrepreneurs, sometimes we feel like this can be constraining to us. For instance, let's say that I have opened up my Cold Stone franchise and, uh, after about a year or so i find that almost every day somebody comes in and asks if we're sell- if we sell hot dogs because we have a big office park right next door and increasingly i'm getting requests for hot dogs and sandwiches and salads and so on well according to my franchise agreement with coldstone I'm limited. I cannot sell hot dogs and uh, salads and sandwiches. So I, because of that franchise agreement, I might be foregoing possible uh, additional revenue and possible additional um, opportunities. And then lastly, one of the disadvantages is that a franchise is a contract that has a term that is certain. That is, a franchise agreement has a certain number of years, and that can work both for and against you as a franchisee. In other words, if let's say you have a 20-year franchise agreement, and you've been operating your franchise now for 18 years, and you find that you know it's just about time to hang it up and you want to be able to sell your business like any other business owner and you find some interested prospects however your franchise only has 2 years left on it and so over time the value of your business decreases as you get closer to the end of the term of the franchise agreement. Now, most franchisors will be willing to consider extension of an agreement, uh, especially if there is a new party that is coming into the picture, provided that that party meets the, um, uh, the credit standards, and uh, in many cases, there would be some sort of a transfer fee. And so it's just not as easy to sell a business if it's a business that has a franchise contract attached to it. When we're dealing in franchises, as I mentioned, we've got a contractual arrangement with between yourself as the franchisee and the company that you're franchising from the franchisor. And those agreements are quite complex. And even before you get very far into the acquisition of a franchise, in the United States you are required to receive a document that is much like a stock prospectus that outlines... All of the terms and conditions of the uh, franchise agreement. And just that initial document can be 50 or 60 pages, can be very complex and sometimes pretty hard to understand. But further, once you get into the actual agreement, you will have a contract that is very complex and will certainly need to be reviewed by an attorney who is very familiar with franchise law. This is not something that Uncle Harry, the divorce lawyer, uh, is capable of really reviewing and providing any kind of advice. It's very important to have a franchise agreement reviewed by a seasoned, experienced franchise attorney. But some of the things that you'll find and you'll want to negotiate in this sort of agreement will be, obviously, the acquisition fee. So most franchises, in order to um, get the franchise, you have to pay an upfront fee, which uh, you know ranges from a couple thousand dollars to a couple hundred thousand dollars, depending on the franchise. And then, in addition to that, there is very likely to be some sort of royalty arrangement where the franchisor receives a percentage of every dollar that comes into the franchise and that those dollars serve to support the development of new products and services by the franchisor for the benefit of you as the franchisee also part of that royalty is uh, supporting marketing efforts advertising For the franchise brand, so though it's a royalty over, you know, off the top, there are some benefits uh, to the franchisee. Uh, Another thing that will be part of your contract will be how does the franchisor maintain quality control over what it is that you are doing under that that agreement? So sometimes there'll be a mystery shopper that comes in to test the quality of the product or service. Sometimes you have to ship your product or service to a testing lab, um, all kinds of ways to maintain the quality, which, after all, is important uh, in the grand scheme of things in the world of franchising. Generally, the um, franchise agreement will also stipulate the type of equipment that is required uh, if you're in the kind of franchise that you're going to be making something. Um, There will be location requirements. There may be some requirements in terms of uh, your store hours because if you're a retail franchise, the franchisor wants to make sure that you're going to be open um, long enough to be able to First of all, be successful, but more importantly to them, be successful enough so that you're generating uh, a good stream of royalties. There's also be some sort of reporting requirement in today's world with electronic cash registers. Very often, the franchisee franchisor will automatically get uh, sales reports on a daily basis directly from your cash registers, and in some cases. Um, They will even be sweeping their royalties off on a daily basis based on the uh, reports they get from your electronic point-of-sale equipment. And then also in the contract will be some sort of provision for uh, how to settle disputes, Um, and whether that's arbitration or uh, in some cases there may be an internal board within the franchise network, where uh, there's some sort of dispute resolution that uh, takes place within the uh, network of franchisees uh, that help settle these kinds of disagreements so in closing let's um let's think about what it will take or what you need to think about if you are thinking about this as a uh, uh a method. Uh, primarily from the standpoint of an owner uh, as to whether or not, you know, this is something that might be worthwhile or productive for you. So for one thing, it's important to do a kind of a self-evaluation. Owning a franchise is a big commitment. Uh, It will require usually substantial investment on your part, it also means that you have to be able to follow directions, be willing to adhere to what somebody else has already proven to be successful and uh, be a team player in the franchise network. It's also very important to investigate the, fr- the franchise very thoroughly and do some reading, do some research, uh, Unfortunately, there have been franchise concepts that have been uh, disreputable, and so it's important to do your homework. Talk to franchisees that already have the franchise concept that you're interested in. Um, take a look at the overall industry that the franchise is in. Uh, study very carefully the um, prospectus, the uh Uniform Franchise Offering Circular uh, that uh, has to be provided to you if you're buying this in the U.S. Um, And also seek uh, knowledgeable, experienced legal advice because you will be entering into a sometimes 20-year agreement that has some significant financial uh, impact, financial consequences, and so, it's really important to um, to get some good input, good advice. It's going to be well worth um, the legal fees that'll be involved because uh, making uh, the wrong decision in franchise in franchising can be very problematic. On the other hand, franchising becomes a very interesting, potentially profitable way to, as they say, be in business for yourself, but not by yourself.